Welcome back to the Finding Success Radio Show. My name is Steve Libin. I'm here with Abe and Justin once again. And we're here talking about success, how we're going to find it, how we're going to replicate it, what are the challenges that we've overcome to achieve it. And we have Joe Martinez in the studio with us today. Thanks, Joe, for stopping by. I appreciate it, man. Hey, let's go, guys. How you doing? Good. Living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on. Um, a lot of stuff to unpack today. Why don't you start off by giving us a little bit of information about kind of what it is that you've been doing, what you've been focusing on. Uh, name of your company is The Healthy Bodybuilder. Yeah. So Joe walked in, made me feel like I need to get to the gym today. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we all probably do. Um, but no, just really a pleasure to have you in studio today. And nice. let's uh, let's chat a little bit about kind of where you came from and what you're doing and what do the viewer, what do the listeners need to know? Okay, so... Um, yeah, I'm a local guy. I grew up in Howell, Freehold area. Kind of a gypsy, though, to be honest with you. I just bounced around all over New Jersey. Um, basically, what I'm doing is just I kind of play on my phones. I, I joke about it, but that's really what I do. I just I work for my phone. So I, I never clock out or anything. It's around the clock for the past, like, eight years. I just work with Instagram. So that's pretty much all I do. Um, basically, there's a whole business of buying and selling Instagram accounts. So once I found out that these millennials had, had this, this little idea, instead of me, I'm working construction, you know, I'm, I'm doing moving furniture and, and breaking my back and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I see, I, I met this kid, he's 15 years old and he's living in his mother's basement and he has all these football accounts. So I just kind of piggybacked off what he was doing. This guy's literally just selling, you know, advertisements, like paid uh, Instagram shout outs. And, um, Kids making a fortune, so I'm like, you know, let me let me try to get into this business. So I built up myself a social media page. I have 520,000 following on a, one of my fitness pages. Not small. And yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty good <laughs> account. And I've been able to make a living off of that, you know, for all these years. You know, there's there's no time zone, so people, some kid from Guam, at three in the morning, might want to send me $200 to give him a whole pro workout program and, and and diet and stuff like that, and what supplements to take. So, you know, there's a huge market there. So I kind of just did that. So it's, it's, it's allowed me to have a lot of more free time because I have three kids. So I have more free time. For years, I just, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the bodybuilding world, but I did that for a while and it's just, it's just really growing, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's not, not just on your body. Really, the hardest part is the dieting. Mm. So, I mean, you just, for me, I was always naturally lean, but I basically had to just pack food. And like the guys, I had like a VIP at uh, uh, the buffets over here. Like they would just let me cut the line <laughs> during the peak hours. So I was there twice a day. And they never seen anyone eat 10 plates of food like that. And I'm just like just piling on all this food. And that's just the only way you can just, you know, you stretch your stomach. And it's just like, uh, it's just a brutal, grueling uh, uh, career. So I kind of got away from that. And instead of doing bodybuilding and, and being in the Speedos and stuff like that, I figured let me just make the money off social media Instead of going through actually getting on stage and, you know, being there in the Speedos and all that stuff, I just, I just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's a big business, right? People, people yeah. have, especially in America, they have a lot of health issues that are related to yeah. the junk that they put in their bodies. And they're not necessarily um, eating the right things and not necessarily exercising the way that they should be. I mean, myself included. So it's like if you can capitalize on that and you actually have something that's uh, marketable to them and a way to help people become successful, why not capitalize on that? Right, exactly. Yeah, I stepped away from that whole aspect. But what you brought up about people being unhealthy, I wanted to write a book called uh, um, How to Remain Healthy in an Unhealthy Sport. 
because all these bodybuilders would come to me and, you know, they're taking all these anabolics and they're, they're just not eating right and they just have everything that we're eating is really toxic. I mean, there's just endocrine disruptors in all the products, the food, the water, everything is very, very toxic. So these kids were coming to me and they're sending me their blood work. I'm looking at their liver functions and their, and their kidney and stuff like that. And very, very simple fix for a lot of these, a lot of these guys was just hydration. They were dehydrated, which people don't really talk about that enough. And if you're dehydrated, it just brings a whole list of, of problems along with you. And you're susceptible to so many different things. And simple supplements like milk thistle, N-acetylcysteine, uh, curcumin, like things like this, literally were changing these kids' blood work. Like mm. Guys from all over the world are taking this. So I was like, let me try to market a supplement. And I just, I bought all the ingredients and I just, I just never, I never launched it. So I've kind of been giving this free advice away for years, but luckily, you know, I was able to sell other people's stuff and I kind of just, just basically just took off and just sold the knowledge for it. So I just kind of just give people advice and let them get it where they want because you could just go right to vitamin shop and get a lot of these cheap supplements. Like it's a really tough market. Like it's a tough niche to stand out in right, right. now if you want to try to be in the supplement world. Even though the fitness craze, you know, you just go whatever the trend is. It's been this fitness trend for like, I don't know how many years now. And I, it, it makes sense because nobody's healthy. You know, we, this is the worst health decline that we've seen. Like in, since the 80s, this, it's, it's really bad. So it, It's an epidemic, healthy. right? I mean, yeah, there's there's more... Kids that are morbidly obese than ever before. Yeah. There's adults that are dying way earlier than they ever have. There's chronic illnesses. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes where I, I don't think it's talked about enough. Yeah, I think really that not. everybody <clears> – <throat> so, you know, as we talk about finding success on this show, we, we always are talking about, well, it's great if you make a couple million bucks, but if you die at 39 right. – it's, it's worthless. Wow, absolutely. Right? So, I mean, even in-house, right, I'm talking to my wife about this and getting healthy and getting back to the gym and just because I've been grinding for 10 years in this business to try to build up a successful business, but right. at the sacrifice of what? My health, right? So now it's like, well, now if the business is going to do well, I, I need to be, be around for my kids. I got three kids as well. And yeah. so it's worthless to have some level of success without health. And it's worthless to have health without some level of success. So these things are tied together, I think, intrinsically. And I don't think enough people are talking about the epidemic that is, you know, you know, heart disease killing more people than ever before and things like that because of the crap that we put in our bodies. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I think that one of the biggest challenges is, you know, eating healthy for especially most of the people out there. It seems to be a little pricey, you know, on some things, you know. So it's like people are easy. It's like, oh, I'll go and get that dollar cheese, double cheeseburger from McDonald's, you know, where you go to Wendy's, it's like $4, you get a meal. And it's like eating four, eating a meal that's healthy for $4 is like yeah. impossible. It's by design though. If you look at the, really the cost of food and the expensive food, I mean, it hasn't really kept up with, you know, the price of everything else, you know, right. housing prices have doubled and, you know, gas prices have doubled and tripled, but food hasn't. And it's just because they've found ways to genetically modify a lot of these foods mm -hmm. to reduce the cost. But people are now just thinking, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'll just take the cheaper version of yep. it, not knowing what they're putting into their system. That's right. So, yeah. It's the regulatory agencies. Like you were talking about chronic illness. We actually have 54% chronic illness in this country. So we spend the most on health care, but we're the least healthy of all developed nations in the world. Is that right? We have the highest infant mortality, which is the first year the, the, children, the babies are dying within the first year more than any other developed nation. I mean, I think we're 55th in uh, infant mortality. Like, it's, it's really brutal numbers. So, GMOs, that's another huge one. I mean, they've made it 
impossible for you to, you know, eat health. You have to be educated and you have to have the money mm-hmm. to afford your health. Yeah, you so you're basically, yeah. you know, you're, you, you, it's not, it's not for everyone. It's, it's, it's designed where, you know, you go to McDonald's and you get a dollar menu, you get the burger and, and the soda. If you want this, uh, the salad and the, and you know, yeah. the, the water, it's six it's, bucks, it's, like six <laughs> bucks. <laughs> it's eight bucks. For so yeah. it's, it's, the end of the day, there's no money in healthy people. So the regulatory agencies, they have you right in the middle. They don't want you dead, but they don't want you healthy. They, they want you. Right, pharmaceutical on, companies too, right? They don't the, want the you biggest, cured. They want you hooked on their meds forever. 100%. I mean, yeah. that's uh-huh. <clears throat> follow the money. Right. It's not. It's not rocket science. And yeah, what's interesting yeah. is growing up, I didn't really have any of these aha moments thinking about, well, why would they want to keep me sick, right? I mean, so I just herniated a disc, right? We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. I herniated mm-hmm. a disc in my Good back, way. and it was. Um, Debilitating. I was on the floor. I was sleeping on the floor of my, you know, my house for the last three weeks, not being able to pick up my kids. And every single person I talked to, go get an epidural, go get back mm-hmm. surgery. I didn't realize that back surgery was the second largest surgery that is going on in the country because of these herniated discs. Five hundred thousand spinal surgeries a year yeah. are going on. This is not small surgery, right? I right. mean, this is your spinal cord. You don't want to mess around with that. And if somebody screws up, God forbid. So. Just from this small lane of my life, I'm like, well, what else can I do? And, you know, I have some holistic professionals in my life that we trust and know and like. And uh, somebody said, oh, well, there's this machine that does uh, spinal decompression. It will actually help you with uh, creating that herniation and putting it back to where it's supposed to be. And, I mean, I'm sitting in the studio today for the first time in a month because in three or four sessions on this machine, which is non-invasive, non-painful, I'm – I'm able to create that pump action back into my disc when 90% of the people I talk to have had surgeries, have had failed surgeries, have had discectomies, uh, fused spinal cords. And I didn't realize this, but 70 million people will stay home today from work because of some sort of back injury. And drug agencies aren't telling you about this machine, right? They're right. telling you about no, muscle there's, relaxers there's and pain management. They want yeah. you getting the cortisone shots and yeah, that's right. stay on the painkillers. So, yeah. you know, if you follow the money, you're right. There's no, there's no money in healthy people. So we have to, uh, we have to be aware ourselves, and we have to look into these th- things and find guys like you that'll tell us the truth about what's going on behind the scenes and how we can maybe take accountability for our own health and make yeah, sure that we're yeah. sharing that with our families, especially. Right. That's great that that worked for you. I was actually going to ask you about that. I have an inversion table my, myself. It only gives me temporary relief. I have four discs back there, but actually acupuncture w- was able um, to help me and sure. just actually just paying attention to my posture and stuff like that. Which yeah, I, as I'm you can really see, I'm right like, now. I'm pinned, right? <laughs> I'm aboard. But, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so I, I had, you know, an acupuncturist from my church who's also a chiropractor okay, who's been good. working on me for years and that gave me some relief, but not, I mean, this was debilitating and I, right. I he sent me to go get an MRI and it was blown out. I mean, it's... You know, 16 millimeters distended. It's oh, wow. like it's into the nice. nerve root. I have no feeling down my right leg, all that stuff. There, yeah. So the name of the machine is a DRX 9000 and literally just puts you into traction, but it creates neck. So inversion tables will put you at like negative 30 in terms mm-hmm. of like the. Um, oh, you have something different. Okay. This is a negative 260. So it literally starts creating oh, that pump action back okay. into your disc and sucks that herniation back in to where it becomes basically a filled tire again. And you know, 87% success rate, 4% recurrence rate. Wow. 
And you, you can't find a surgery that'll give you better than 50, 50 wow. no. So well, then you gotta have yeah. future surgeries usually, you know, yeah. it does, it's not long term. Happy to chat with you offline about it, but it is the best money I've ever spent. I, you know, I'm literally only a week into it and it, market improvement, you know, in my life. And, you know, but what did it come from? Right. It came from the last 10 years sitting on my desk, bad posture, bad food, not working my core, right. gaining extra weight, you know, all these other health excuses that really led to this back issue. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm really counting it as a blessing because now I'm looking at my life in a different way and saying, well, I got to make sure I'm standing more, exercising more, yeah. working my core more, eating. Right, let's let's shed this 50 pounds, which we talked about and. January 1st when we talked about <laughs> right down 17 the back. pounds by the yeah. way so we're still going at it um, but yeah I mean these are these are big issues that you know successful people they rarely talk about because we're talking about the business and the money and the employees and the culture but if you don't have a culture of health in your life I mean it's it's worthless you can enjoy that money without you know right. if you're not feeling well yeah. if you're in pain and you're sick it's, you can't enjoy it there's nothing there there's no substance Absolutely. So, so very interesting, you know, getting in, involved in kind of Instagram to build a business. You know, you, you had a supplement company at one at one point as well. Yeah. Tell us a little yeah, bit about I, that. Yeah, so that I've been in, I, that. yeah, I've been in that uh, in that line for about ten or twelve years. Once I saw it was uh, getting popular early on, they had they had pro hormones and all these these SARMs, which are select androgen receptor modules. They're getting away from that. They banned the pro hormones. A- anything that's not the FDA, the pharmaceuticals aren't getting money off of any supplement that ever worked, whether it's dangerous or not dangerous, you know, the FDA wants to get rid of it. It's taken out of their pocket. So all the things that were working mm. that were far less harmful in many ways to, to some of the alternatives, you know, they, they, they just ban it. They don't even want a lot of the good stimulants that, not that stimulants are good for you, but like anything that they don't want you to have like the, the, the good pre-workouts that people love. And so that they ended up, it just drives people to buy illegal stuff, you know, all of their you know, the overreach by the government, everything that they're regulating, it's really just, you know, it just drives people to do worse things. And there is a black market supplement. Yeah. Kinda, I mean, I mean behind get, the scenes yeah, of like sure. what actually yeah. works, right? And what's healthier for you. Yeah. Which and is interesting. Like the regulatory, I mean, who's really determining health at these days? I mean, because it's like. Government. The studies are like, it dep- you got to really trust the scientists. I mean, they're, the researchers are just kind of doing whatever they want. Like when they particularly use epidemiology, like they really can just manipulate all the data and just remove people from the trial and they could do whatever they want. So it's kind of like, we're just kind of sit back to listen to the professionals, you know, and, right. and it's just, it's really a tough situation. And by the health report card, we are not healthy. We're, <laughs> we're in terrible shape. So yeah, I've been trying to help people and I've, helped, you know, probably maybe I would say th- a couple of thousand people, you know, over the past 10, 12 years. I just, I just do it all day long. People everywhere. I don't even, I don't get to meet them or anything. <laughs> it's mostly just numbers and they'll send me some transformation pictures and, and that's just pretty much it. It's just all I do. Huh. But it beats moving furniture, man. Those, those pressures. <laughs> <laughs> all the discs I had, you know, in my back, like you're talking about, like, I just don't really feel that too much today, you know? So that's awesome for me. I get to spend the time with the kids and, uh, you know, I, even though I think about money all the time, the, the success, I notice you guys ask people that a lot. And I think it's maybe how happy your kids are, you know, how your kids view you. It's mm. probably like an easier way to look at it to try to not be so materialistic. You know, if your kids are happy, you know, you're probably doing something right. So It's a great barometer. To keep in, how old are your kids? I have a 14-year-old boy, um, uh, almost three-year-old 
daughter who runs the house, and then I have a, a newborn. He's <laughs> about those. three months. Oh, man. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, congrats, man. So, yeah, it's very, very busy. He's been busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a three-month-old myself. Oh, We're trying please. to get some sleep as well. Yeah, it's not We're easy. We're getting there. It's not easy at all. A little bit better now. but um, Yeah, that's a great barometer. You know, I, I just read an article that was really interesting, too, about um, – giving your kids gifts versus experiences mm. and kind of what that looks like long-term in terms of like how they're built as a human being. So my wife and I just started talking about, well, we're going to limit number of gifts for holidays and always oh, yeah. do like a trip or, a, sense, you know, yeah. just so that they can get out and experience the world. Yeah, um, memories, yeah. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Okay. So let's, let's chat about Instagram a little bit. Cause I don't know anything about it other than I have an account that is not followed by anybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I follow you. That's not true. So, <laughs> un- unfortunately you missed the boat on becoming Insta famous. Okay. That's that. good. I don't want to be. I okay. actually, I'm not promoting this book because it's so outdated, but I actually wrote a book on Instagram called Insta fame exposed. And, um, you know, it got a good rever- uh, review by Kirkus. I actually wrote it with my mother. She knew nothing about Instagram, but she's a writer. So we kind of, that was a difficult project, but at the time we, so we put that, we laid out everything that we were talking about before, how these kids are, are making all this money on Instagram and selling all these shout outs and, and how I did it. And, uh, there's also another whole part to this. There's like all these automation tools. So they're banned from Instagram now, but you, you can build programs that will log into your account and follow other people and interact and comment and do that. And so you have all these thousands of swarms of pages interacting and it just comes up and it boosts the algorithm. So it would actually manipulate how good a post reach, you know, how, how well it does. And um, so instead, as soon as I wrote the book, the algorithm started to change and I decided, you know, instead of exposing all of this stuff, how everything is so fake, let me just turn this into a company. So what, what I was doing, so I just turned it into a marketing company and um, I actually had a bad deal. Um, I don't know if you guys know, there's a, there's a company called um, Fruitables. I started marketing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, really great idea they had, you know, really nice people. I had a bad contract with them and I ended up, um, I kind of got screwed out of the deal, but I kind of walked away from it. It wasn't a big deal, but it was going to make me really, really rich. So they, I had a contract with them for, they were, $500 a month to market for each location and they had sold 160 franchises already. So I'm already 500 times 160 right off the bat. So I'm like, all right, great, I'm set. So I put all my chips into this. I start marketing for these other companies and then the algorithm starts to change and things start to happen. So, I, you know, I kind of just backed out of it even though I had a contract, the algorithm changed and I wasn't going to be able to provide for them the same level of success that I initially was. Mm. So it was kind of like just a mutual thing. I didn't, it was no lawsuit. I didn't sue them or anything like that. We just, you know, we just kind of walked away. But uh, that's when I realized like, I'm never working again, man. I'm just going to play on social media. Right. And so before you can just, a girl can just have, you know, a, a nice body or a guy could just be big and go on there and just become Insta famous. Now the algorithm is so limited like your own posts are only reaching like 7% of your own followers. So it's really difficult now to, to grow that type of account. So if you have really good content and you know, you're, you're trying to, you guys are trying to do your thing, like just do the radio and the podcast, like you're just going to grow organically, but it's just those days of Insta fame are, are really, really limited. It was a great idea. I mean, Zuckerberg came in and he found a way to make like regular people feel famous. Like, right. 
I mean, not that it was a big deal, but, you know, I was getting all my gym memberships for free. People would take pictures with me and sending me all free supplements if I want a T-shirt or, like, whatever machine you were just referring to before. Right. Like, had I contacted that company, or they may have contacted me, like, hey, take a, let me send you one of these for free. You do a video on this, and you got yourself a free machine, and we'll also give you a coupon code. So, it's like, it's just offers, like, just endless offers. So, it's just... It's the new way of marketing, right? right. I, mean, I mean, Kylie Jenner became the youngest billionaire yeah. because of what? Yeah, makeup yeah. reviews. Yeah, right? Right. That's crazy. Yeah, actually, really. The, actually, the girl—I forget her name. Maybe Carly Bell. I want to say her name is. She had a fa- uh, really good YouTube. I knew her sister um, from an Alpin, and that's who linked up with uh, with Jenner. She had this whole makeup tutorial thing, and they just she, she just makes tons of money. Like they make, I mean, they make six figures. Well, just a YouTube star a month off of crazy. You know, just doing videos, makeup. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. My 14-year-old son, he sits there and watches these tutorials of <laughs> grown men cursing how to play, like, Mario Kart or something. Like, these are just grown men. And there's all my friends' kids doing the same thing. They yeah. just watch these tutorials. Like, wow. they don't even care if sometimes it will be in another language. Like, this is crazy. Like, YouTube is just taking over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, now it's, it's the number one search engine on the Internet. Is that right? How to watch things on YouTube. You can pretty much learn how to do anything. Yeah. I took my whole I took my whole car door apart because yeah, I had yeah. a window that was busted and I just watched YouTube and I was like I could do this. Yeah, you uh, me a thousand bucks. Definitely find something out of it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much you can, can do yeah. pretty much anything I did on the there. Same thing with my pool pump and my the filter and like pretty much and you just sit there and you it, it might be some old lady in Germany that barely yeah. Now I'm like I really hope this guy knows what he's <laughs> yeah. doing because I'm listening to everything yeah. he's saying. Yeah, I'm not to not have a car door if this doesn't yeah, I can't pull right. this off. <laughs> yeah, but for the most part it's right. I mean I I've, I haven't been steered wrong yet. You know my YouTube you know trials have worked out stuff out really interesting but so to get back to what you were saying before like yeah you're insta famous but it's all fake right mm-hmm. so this is what we were talking about before in terms of like real relationships and the stuff that you see online i mean i think it's really important especially as we have kids that are growing up in this era to make them recognize that what they see is it's fugazi right yeah. this is not real life this is not how things are happening. And yes, these people are making money off of, you know, their their life and what they're putting on their 30-second Instagram videos, but that's not their life, right? And I, I'm, I'd be interested to see kind of the psychology behind these Insta-famous kids and, you know, what that looks like in their own personal relationships because we've read the studies about the dopamine that, that you know, goes nuts because you got a new like on Facebook and stuff. When your whole life and your whole business is built off that, right, you can kind of speak to this. Um, you know, I wonder, you know, outside, you, you really have to be mentally strong, I think, to have that that right um, balance in your life of what's real, what's business, what's Instagram. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy for these kids to kind of fall off. I mean, we have a high rate of um, teenage depression now because yes. of social media and what it's done and how. So yeah. how do you as a parent, right, say this is my business, this is what I'm doing, but also train your kids up in a way that it doesn't – that you, you're not allowing it to affect their lives in a negative way? That's a good, that's a good point. Um, so my son – a little backstory on my son. So when he was uh, 15 months old, he was neuro, neurotypically developing child. We brought him to get his immunizations, uh, vaccines. Uh, got the MMR vaccine and he immediately regressed. He had encephalitis in his brain. Um, he had all these gut issues, all these health issues, and he just completely regressed. Like at first we thought he was deaf. So 
with him, it was it was even more difficult because what I had to do to learn how to teach an autistic child all the things that they're supposed to learn naturally, which just doesn't come naturally to them, all the therapies and all that stuff I had to do, all he wants to do is play the, the iPad. Like still, even though he's fully re, fully recovered him, by the way, so we actually bought a oh, hyperbaric awesome. oxygen chamber. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. We bought a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. We had to go in there. I've done over a thousand dives. It's called hour dives in there. So you're in there under this pressure. Um, by the way, he started talking nine days into this treatment, which was what I was told was complete quackery. Basically, everything the mainstream doctors told us doesn't work. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait works. a minute. Vaccines don't harm kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Let's do it. You go there? That's, that's pretty much where I go. Hey, look, I was just out in Trenton. You know, we were talking about religious exemptions and things like that, right? We were all out there yeah. and talking about um, vaccine injury versus non-vaccine injury. And, I mean, at the end of the day, there is a, uh, a bitter war going on between these uh, FDA administrations, the CDC, mm-hmm. and parents that are fighting for their rights. But I personally know... Um, multiple people, and two of them are sitting right here, right, with vaccine-injured kids, and it's it's not yeah. a coincidence that it happened the day after they got a vaccine. And so, uh, you know, everybody asks us, well, what do you do about vaccinations? And, you know, you're a parent. Do your research. Stop pretending that everything is um, exactly as it seems and what they tell you, and make, make good decisions for you and your family, right? And it's all about the risk assessment. I mean, yeah. so... Unfortunately, people are really incapable of doing the right type of research because they just go, they'll go on Google. And so when this first happened to me, this was 2007. So when I used to go Google stuff, the whole first page was vaccines, autism, vaccines, MMR causes autism. This was the first two pages of Google. It was just like I was actually searching for this not to be true because I didn't want it to be my fault. I wanted it to be genetic. I wanted the government to be right. I actually went to international conferences on this just to to hear the doctors speak in the lectures. And and then I found out, wow, this is happening all over the world. And it started, what happened was in 1986, I'll give you a brief um, story on this. So in 1986, they passed this act to give the pharmaceutical industries blanket immunity. So because they couldn't survive the free market. So just think about how terrible a product has to be that they can't even survive the free market. They need the government to step in, mandate it, because that's another thing people don't realize. Vaccines have been mandated since the beginning of history. The smallpox, polio, everywhere, United Kingdom, there have always been compulsory vaccinations. It's always been mandated. People never wanted to do this. So this was always forced. So they have a forced product that, you know, you can't opt out of, you can't sue. It's the only product in the world you cannot sue the manufacturer for, no matter if you die because on the package insert, it says all of these lists of the chronic conditions that we were talking about before, the asthma, the allergies, the autoimmune disease, all these things are listed on the package insert as side effects and also on the injury table. So in vaccine court, people are paid out for this. Like there's been families paid out for the vaccines causing autism. Like there's Hannah Poling. There's many cases of this. So when they say it's it doesn't cause the injury, it's just it's four and a half billion certain. dollars, right? Paid yeah, out by the vaccine court. And really interesting that I can too. sue Merck for Viagra, but I can't sue right. you for my flu vaccine. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's an interesting concept. So if you're not listening to this, and regardless of which side of the argument you sit on, um, there's a lot of interesting things that you need to at least be aware of. You know, the fact that I can't sue the manufacturer of a drug because it's mandated and they're safe and the government now pays out. 
I mean, so every time you buy a vaccine, right, a portion of that vaccine actually goes into an escrow account or a, a yeah, trust 75, fund. 75 cents we pay. So we pay for all the vaccine injuries. Yeah, so the $4.5 billion that has been paid out hasn't Those been vaccines. paid out by the pharmaceutical companies. It's been paid out by the vaccine-injured families. Right. Yes. Really interesting. So, again, wherever you sit on the debate, I mean, let's have the conversation. But so so continue. That's interesting so yeah, back into the I was I think I was just talking. We were just getting into iPad, <laughs> so sure. iPad and social media uh, with autism. So particularly, I mean, there's there is a recent study that even neurotypical uh, developing children who are spending one hour of screen time a day, it's detrimental to their IQ and their uh, coordination because kids aren't outside playing baseball anymore. They're not mm-hmm. climbing trees. They're not living experienced life. They're sitting there on on a screen. So it's really bad for them. But particularly with children with autism, it's really bad for them to play video games. Um, so there's like actually a neurofeedback therapy that's kind of a video game that we were doing. We did all these alternative treatments. So you can't have any of these kids like more than like even a half hour a day on the iPad is what we were told. And it's like, that's all they want to do. So it was really, really difficult. But, you know, as he progressed, you know, we had to do, we had to do chelation, which is a, a challenge of, it removes the toxic metals from the, um, from the body. He got improvement from that. We had to give him methyl B12 shots. And typically, an orga- organic diet really gave him a great uh, benefit. So as soon as we changed his diet, we removed gluten, casein, and soy. Because a lot of these kids are allergic to these foods. So many people have food allergies. That's that's another statistic that people aren't talking about. Why are we all allergic to all these foods anymore? Like, why are all these peanut allergies? Right. I mean, we all brought peanut butter sandwiches to class when I'm um, 37. Kids How are you? dying. Oh, yeah. I'm 41. Kids yeah. are dying from peanuts. <clears throat> right. Like, this is you can't absurd. bring them into classrooms because, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, we recovered him, but, you know, so he still wants to play the iPad. And But if I noticed that's the only time that you'll really see his um, characteristics come back. Like, if I let him play video games for hours, he goes into this video game world. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like a kind of like, you know, he won't pay attention. Like, you'll see, like, a regression for a few hours. Like, if you, it just, it just sucks them in. There's just something to the video games, you know. I can't explain it scientifically, but... There's something with these video games that's really bad for these kids, and it's just it's just taken away from their learning. Like this is yeah. the first time that kids are their IQs are lowering. This is the first generation that IQs have lowered. Like every every generation, we've been smarter than our parents, and this is the first time that. So there's a lot of things going on. You know, there's a lot of things to look at, um, and no one's really taking taking a look at it. Yeah. I mean, so when you say you know you're 24 seven on your phone because of your business. How do you show your kids that you're putting that down and not allowing it to control you? Right. That was the question. Um, And that's that's a very good question. Um, I try not to say, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. Um, But, yeah, my son understands that this is what I do. And this is just, I'm not on here, like, playing video games. I'm not over here, like, texting girls or something like that. Like, I'm just, (laughs) I'm literally making money. Like, you know, literally just building and it's all about the network. It used to be all about the email list. Now it's really about if you can build a big social media and you have people that can trust you, you know, that's, I never crossed that line. I never sold garbage products. I never was sponsored by a, a terrible company. I always remained, you know, loyal to these and, and all my followers and I've, and I've given them free advice all the years. So pretty much anything that I want to sell them, you know, they trust me. Sure. They're going to they're gonna buy. You've built that trust over the, over the years yeah, and that credibility that and yeah. things like that, right? I mean... People work with people that they know, like, and trust, and I think that touches on kind of the, you know, the, these billion-dollar brands that have been built by makeup tutorials, right? They've, yeah, they have a makeup tutorial for five years, and they're just talking about everything else, and then all of a sudden, 
oh, hey, by the way, I didn't like any of these, so I've made my own. And now that you have this relationship with me, you might want to try it too. And then they're buying billions of dollars in product. It's pretty insane. So same thing. Um, and w- when we get back, I'd like to talk about what that looks like in terms of authenticity and how you're creating it and how your followers are finding you to be authentic. Because I think, as we were talking about the Insta fake accounts before, mm, now yeah. the thing that I think is going to, and we talked about this on one of our previous shows with another Instagram um, yeah, I was the authenticity of that relationship is what's going to drive kind of the next boom, the next cycle, yeah. because you're not going to be able to get away with having that fake account, that Insta right. fake lifestyle. People are going yeah, to start to see that. through it, right? So we have a bunch of Insta fake accounts, um, people trying to figure out if they're authentic, if they're not. But the most successful accounts, right, are the people that have been given away that that credibility, that good advice, that knowledge base for free over time. And now, you know, you've been able to make a living off of that now because of the people that know, like, and trust you. But as this continues to progress, right, people know that they can get on and kind of make some fake accounts or try to create, you know, try to fake their way to success. So how do you see yourself differentiating yourself from these other people moving forward? And how do you think that the client bases and even the companies that are sponsoring them are going to see authenticity moving forward? in terms of who's branding themselves best, who's getting paid to do it. Because I, I think if it's not authentic, right, people are going to start to see right through that and they're going to bail. Well, for the most part, you can. But the thing is, people aren't really paying attention to that. Like, if you really want to determine if, it, if an account is it's, if it's fake or not, if all the comments are fake, you really have to, like, dig in. You have to look at the, at the comments. Right? Is it, like, super cool and great and awesome? Is it, like, all these fake, like, actually click on the profiles that are commenting? Mm. So a lot of people aren't doing that, and a lot of the supplement companies are using some of these accounts with these girls like that, and they don't mind that they have a fake account because it's just that look. I mean, as long as, at the end of the day, it's the money. They're just looking at those numbers. They're not really paying attention so much to how many likes the, the person gets, but we are. Like, I mean, we as a society, like, that's how we're gauging. Like, oh, this guy, this one got a million likes. Like, this person must be right. Like, this, this make, they almost, it's almost like it determines if these people know what they're talking about. Like, there's so many like scam accounts out there that are giving this fake information and they're selling this product or that product and they're just determining that based on, you know, these, these people have a lot of likes, so they must be right. They have a lot of followers. It almost gives you this instant credibility, like you're validated in society and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty crazy. And I, I think, you know, we're going to try to get away from that, but what I think is going to happen is it's just going to get even deeper. I think there, we're going to be in these, literally like in these virtual reality simulations like with our with our social media i think we're gonna have virtual goggles on that's mm. where i think it's heading yeah i think it's just gonna get deeper and deeper i don't think we're i think the big tech companies are gonna take over and instead of getting away from it like i think we were just about to try to talk about yeah. some positive stuff i think it's gonna go the opposite direction i think we're just gonna get deeper sucked into this technology well you got new you know channels TikTok obviously is yeah, kind TikTok of is, you yeah. know catching steam right mm-hmm. here so yeah. you know where. that's getting the youth now mm-hmm. and you know, that engagement's obviously a lot different. Yeah, the um, is, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, people are getting kind of stuck in that, you know, virtual world. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they pop their head up to have a normal conversation, you know, <laughs> they can't do it. It's, it's They're almost scared to talk way. because you got to interact, you know, in real time. So mm-hmm. I just read this article about how to train your kids to have less anxiety by putting them, like, on the phone. Mm. So <clears throat> something as simple as having them call the cable company to mm-hmm. pay the bill right. is shown to be decreasing 
anxiety in these kids because they have such a high level of anxiety by having to solve a problem on the fly with right. a real person face to face. So they're they're talking these psychologists are talking about like little things that you can do to help your kids with their anxiety, like have them call and pay the mortgage Isn't over the insane? phone. Well my daughter and I'm right like, now, what are you talking yeah, about? My daughter's <laughs> eighteen, she's gotta get car insurance. She's like, Can you call? I'm like, No. Call No, definitely not. Call. I, I told you what coverages you need. Call. Let's yeah. go. You know, you almost got to kind of have to be able to talk to a human being. Yeah, and like I don't know, when I was seventeen or eighteen, like nobody was figuring that out for me. Like, I'm not so sure you just did it. You know, but that's being taken away. You know, so even going back to what you were saying before, an hour versus a half hour on your iPads, right? I mean, I have a two and a half year old, and we got them some Kindle. You know, the Kindle Kids. Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like some learning and some this, and we're like, you know, we're very hyper aware of making sure that they're not on it too much. But man, they do. They go nuts for it. They're like, oh yeah, I want to play on this. And, you know, it's no, no, no a lot because we well, want to go outside and do all this stuff. But There's technology to limit that now, though. It's yeah, yeah, which is boom. great. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, even, even a 30 minutes or 20 minutes a day right. versus what, I mean, you go out to dinner, every kid's on a tablet now. Mm -hmm. They have them at the tables. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. So, so to say it's going to get deeper is not probably off base because they found a way to captivate an audience, yeah. right? There's neuroreceptors that are clearly being affected by how much engagement you have on these things, how much disengagement you have with the problems of the real world, mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, it, it, it becomes fake, but then it becomes very marketable. If I'm looking at my screen all the time, it's easy to throw up a 15-second yeah. video clip of what I need next. So um, I think as parents especially, we have to be hyper aware of what is getting fed into the ear gate and into the eye gates of our kids. Yeah, because they love it. I mean, the, you could market this to two-year-olds. You know, my, Legitimately. I mean, well, they are, yeah. We'll, we'll sit there. I've seen little babies, like, operating iPads. Oh, yeah. So it's like crazy. They're going through their YouTube, and then they're back to the, the little video game, and it's like... I mean, How are yeah, you navigating were, this? How, some of them are learning games. It's, it's I guess that's good, but I mean... Yeah, there's some stuff on there, but... Is it the actual hour that they're spending on it, or is part of it... Uh, determined by the EMF waves, the 5G radiation, is that causing some of the decline in, 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 in intelligence? We, we really don't know because there's no, there's no real regulatory agencies with that either. Yeah. It's, really, it's just really crazy. So it's, we're, we're, we're really just in a big experimental phase right now with all this technology. And Yeah. No, it's true. There's, <laughs> it's, not, there's not even enough time no. uh, to study to see what the long-term effects like, are. The, I don't know if you remember the canaries in a coal mine. The yeah, whole concept of that, and it's like we're dropping. You know, our kids are not healthy. Like this is really bad decline. Like everyone has cancer. You know, kids before age twenty one and two hundred eighty five will have cancer. This is alarming statistics. Not like three cases of measles. Like we, we're really off base. Yeah, with, with everything, we're like completely out of touch of reality. And no one's really talking about uh, these these type of things. Like they've made it where you can't talk about this stuff. You can't question this stuff. And it's like right. You know, these taboo. Subjects. You know what? I, you know what? It has been concerning and on the forefront of my mind is since we've put these computers in the hands of kids, the um, what what is not able to be tested and measured quite yet is um, the level of sexual exploitation and pornography mm -hmm. that our kids are have access to. Yeah. Right. So I think the study was uh, seventy to eighty percent of all twelve-year-olds have seen some level of pornography on their oh, yeah. phones. Wow. And what is concerning from my perspective is how does that affect intimate relationships? There was a study that came out of Australia 
where 17 year olds across the board were having extremely toxic relationships because of their exposure to this sexually exploitative video where they think that it's normalized to have this type of relationship now. So what I'm concerned about is, I mean, marriage is not in a great state in the United States as is, right? Almost half of marriages end in divorce. And what we don't see coming is this new wave of relationship atrophy that is coming from these kids being um, exposed to non-normative relationships and what they do start to normalize. So that's a concerning and a point of prayer for for me. I mean, I have young girls and now we have a new son and, you know, it's... um, I think it's something that we're not looking at nearly as hard as we need to be. So anyway, that's kind of my soapbox. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about something else that you guys are really entrenched in, right? You and Justin together. Um, And this is kind of the the war that, you know, you've thrown the gauntlet down and have bet 100 grand of your own money to have um, a debate of sorts. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what that looks like? So that was really thank you instagram that i've had that i have this 100 grand to put up for this but this is not like a um 100 grand to like oh look at me i have 100 grand on this this is like out of desperation so i've been following the work of you know top scientists all over the world and in my opinion dr sherry tenpenny she's the the foremost authority on vaccine history and, and, and safety and efficacy and all that and she's been trying to get people to debate for decades you know there's all these people that came before like you know we have robert f kennedy now you know, who I've who I've met and spoke to a bunch of times. Uh, all these new people come on the scenes, but there have been all these doctors in this war for 30 years and 40 years. And, like, I mean, e- even longer than that. Like, this is this has been going on since the beginning of time everywhere. And it's the only topic that they say the science is settled on. Like, science, this is not a math equation. Like, three plus three, that's settled. That's six. You know, we have gravity. This is settled science. But other than that, everything is evolving, especially. The definition of science, by the way, is that it can't be settled. Right. Exactly. Well, variables <laughs> and variations that yeah. cannot be accounted for. Especially when you're talking about immunology. I mean, the foundation of what they're using, they're using very old technology, 60 to 80 years old technology of uh, antibodies. So they're using this, the, the, you have this innate and adaptive immune system. Meanwhile, you have the gut-brain access, you have the interferon system, you have all these intermediate all this stuff that's coming out, the microbiome, like they, they haven't even addressed that. Like vaccines came long, long time ago, and now we have all this different science available and it's not being applied to that. And really what it comes down to, the way I start my argument is I have all the historical graphs of the declines in mortality, and they all came before the vaccines. Like if you look on every graph in England, Wales, United States vital statistics, like for instance, like the measles, the vaccine came out in 1963. The incidence of dying in 1960 from measles was one in 500,000. To give you a perspective, one in 161,000 is your odds of dying from getting struck by lightning. So you have three times more likely to die from lightning than you do from the measles before the introduction of the vaccine. And this is what it. This is what we have. So it's like we. Implement- so are you saying that the idea that vaccines have actually eradicated most of these so. Um, issues is probably a misnomer. So here's the thing. It's morbidity versus mortality. So if you look at the incidence of, let's just do measles because measles is an easy one. It's a big topic. Measles is highly infectious. It's very contagious. Is it dangerous? Absolutely not. The people who die from measles are vitamin A deficient. 
The kids who are drinking out of mud puddles in Africa, they die from measles. The kids in India, they die from measles. These are the people who die from measles. Healthy, healthy people, particularly like in America, you're not seeing deaths from that. I have never heard of a report on the news. I look on the CDC. I'm not seeing any deaths, particularly of unvaccinated children. Our kids get sick. From this, yes. But they're not dying. So it's morbidity. So in 1960, before the vaccine came out, we had about 4 million cases of measles here a year. A lot of people were getting measles. About 400 were dying. So the vaccine came out. The measles dropped. So yes, the cases of measles dropped. But was it beneficial to displace the age of this trivial childhood illness when we were already at the cusp of herd immunity? So th there was no benefit to doing this. In fact, there it was a terrible idea because we almost had herd immunity where measles would have been gone. If you follow the trend of the curve, measles was about to be gone. It was, it was all the way down like this. Nobody was dying. And now if you get measles, if you get the natural infection of measles, mumps, varicella, your incidence of getting cancers like Hodgkin's lymphoma, Nod's Hodgkin's lymphoma, and uh, cardiovascular disease significantly drop. So it's protective. If you get the measles infection, you are protective against certain cancers. So there's a huge benefit to priming the immune system at, it, or at the right age, particularly like five years old. If you get these infections, your immune system, you get a real robust response to it and you have lifelong immunity and now that's protective against other things. It's almost like our bodies were created. Almost to, like by design. Intervene with this perfect design. But to, to go back to that, sanitation is what happened. So in you know, in the nineteen twenties, what happened was we had horses. We had dead horses in our water system. Like there was literally the the, the rats were everywhere, feces were everywhere. Like Florence Nightingale was really responsible for implementing the infrastructure back then. We didn't have any of that before. Like we didn't have sewers and sanitation. We didn't have a, a garbage man coming and removing all this stuff. And this is really the problem for the disease. This is what was spreading disease. We were all living amongst each other, all crowded in, and we weren't washing our hands. Like there was no sanitation. It was a filth. That's why these filth diseases were there. You know, cholera, dysentery, these things were wiping us out. It wasn't that rashes were going to kill us. We completely stopped dying, like to 99% the decline in mortality before these vaccines were came into use or widespread. So they didn't save us from any of that. The argument is like uh, maybe we would be dying and maybe the polio will come back. And they have all these theoretical models and all this theory. And there's just there's no science to support it. Like from any aspect, any angle you look at this scientific and legal proof, there's no way to defend vaccines. But my pediatrician's telling me that it's safe for my right. kids. So this, this, this is the thing about pediatricians and nurses. So people are under the impression that doctors are experts. Doctors get one course in training. The World Health Organization just had an uh, annual summit, and that actually was very surprising that this came out. So the one doctor on there, I think Dr. Heidi Larson, I think her name was, she said, you know, let's, let's be realistic. Doctors get half a day training on vaccines if they're lucky, and nurses get less. So... To assume that they, it's like assuming that the taxi driver is an expert at the transportation business or he knows how to fix the engine of that. The doctor is just the end user of a very long, complex process. That's all they are. They're just the administrator. It's pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, toxicokinetics. It's nothing to do with what they learn in, in medical school. They're not learning anything about how this vaccine works, the toxicology of it. You can go on and on forever about the toxicology of it because if you look up almost any of the ingredients on there and you look at the safety data sheet, you'll see that, wow, this thing causes cancer. Wow, this thing causes infertility. This thing causes all of these problems. 
but magically, if you put it combined into what's called a vaccine, it magically makes you healthy. And the real, the real thing is we have vaccinated versus unvaccinated studies, and over and over again, the unvaccinated kids not only are not dying from these diseases, they're healthier across the board. We have the Amish right here, one of the fastest growing communities in the country, 250,000 Amish. I drive there all the time through York, Pennsylvania. These people are right amongst us. They don't vaccinate, they're fine. And they don't have all the diabetes we have. They don't have the autism we have. They don't have any of these chronic illnesses that run through you know, our country. All these epidemics, we have nothing but epidemics and we're just trained to fear the 16 um, diseases that cause uh, or that we have vaccines for. So Forget about a, the other thousands of them, millions, you know, it's just, just those, let's fear those. It's really crazy. So I'm a big believer in um, correlation doesn't relate to causality, mm -hmm. right? But you do have to take a look and say we're the sickest the country has ever been. Our kids are the sickest that we've ever been. And we're injecting them with more stuff than we ever have, right? I mean, we're all in upper 30s, low 40s here. So how many how many vaccines did I get when I was a kid? It was three. Uh, eight, yeah. eight or nine. doses maybe yeah. total of, you know, four different diseases. And what's it now? Coverage, 72 doses. 72. In what time frame? So it, in the 80s, I was born in 78, but in the 80s, we had the MMR, DTP, and polio. We had those. Those were the three that you got. Um, now they're just getting so many rounds. And there's like 139 in clinical trials. There's so many in the pipeline that it's just they have a vaccine for So what happens everything. if they mandate vaccines and these other 139 get approved? Right. So that's the thing. Like, So the people who, a lot of people who are, you know, even some of the people that I know who are pro-vaccine for the childhood immunizations, they don't want Gardasil. They don't get flu shots. Um, you know, they don't want some of these things. And what they're not realizing, once they just sit back and let this happen, they're not going to be able to. You have to no choice, right? Later. Yeah, you yeah, can't walk so, this back. And it's beyond overreach of the government. I mean, there's no science to support it. And even if there was science to support it, this is against the Nuremberger Code. I mean, they just literally can't do this. It's a complete violation of the Constitution. It's really close here in New Jersey. I mean, we were literally on the cusp of losing the last exemption, which is the religious yeah. one. I mean, we've already lost that. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, to be honest with you, the, there's, uh, there's groups of women um, that are really putting in a lot of work. Um, with the with the legislator and lobbying and all that, and they they've brought the science to the legislators. Like these senators have seen, oh wait, the vaccines didn't save us from anything. This is really not this is really not true. And other states have not put in that groundwork over the over the period of time to to have these relationships and get that because you you can't get a meeting with these senators and show them that. Like if you try to tell Senator Sweeney some of this, he's not listening to any of that. Right. You know. There's, so well, it's no it's surprise that Jersey has the highest autis autism. autistic rate in the yeah. country. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy that they don't you look at from when my son was born. And I think it was at the time. I mean, he's he just turned 12. And I think at the time it was one every 200 kids got autism. Now, mm -hmm. what is it? One in every 30? Something yeah, like that. There's different little studies. Yeah. One in 39. And, I mean, and I, I mean, that's that's an epidemic, you know, and, and for them to not to be studying it and figuring it out. And they're like, oh, it's all natural. And I mean, it's like, dude, please. I mean. Well, that's going to bankrupt our, that's going to bankrupt America. There's a PhD doctor, I think Utopian, his name is, he's, um, I don't know, he, I just saw a few interviews with him. He said, um, in 2025, it's going to cost more than the U.S. defense budget. It's going to cost a trillion dollars a year. Like when we have like one in 20 autism, like who's taking care of this? Who's right. taking care of these kids? Like these, these kids... These kids are the young ones, the, the vaccine age kids that originally got this, like in the early 90s. Those kids are aging out like these. They're 20 and 30, like they're in diapers still. Like who's taking care of that when their parents die?
Like there's, there's no, th- th- this is how you know there's um, something they're hiding because nobody's talking about that. This is the biggest expense and that just autism alone can cripple the entire economy. And mm. the fact that that's not in the Washington Post, the fact that that's not a main topic for in, in the finance world, and this tells you that they're hiding something. And there's never been something like, like vaccine-injured uh, children and their parents are, are so like, this is just like the most, this group is just looked at like as if we're saying aliens. I just saw an alien. We're looked <laughs> at like if we just saw an alien. And they're saying vaccine injury is one in a million, and it's actually one in a million that actually get paid. So the parents who realized that this happened, they went through the whole kangaroo court because there's a vaccine court specifically for this. That's how much this happens. There's no discovery. There's no disclosure. There's no lawyer. It's a special master's. It's a kangaroo court, and you just get paid. If, you're, if you die from it or your children die from it, you get $250,000. It's capped off, and obviously we pay for that. And nobody's really getting into any of this. It's just like— and There's oh, a Harvard study, right, that shows that yes. less than 1%, less than 1% of, of those are actually yep. reported. reported. Yep. Yeah. And um, I had a I had a friend that goes to school with my um, our kids go to school together, and he said, "Well, I you know where where are you finding this study, right?" And we've been able to send him some information on that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is um, something that's not really being talked about as much. And yeah, I think you do get marginalized as a citizen if you have anything to say that's against it, right? You're just not going along with the crowd because mm-hmm. everybody assumes that these things are safe. And uh, again, you have to have that conversation with your spouse and figure out what's right for you. But sitting in a room filled with uh, vaccine injured parents, I think will probably change your perspective a little bit. You all know Nick Catone and his wife and the suffering that they've gone through by losing their child. And uh, they're huge advocates of uh, vaccine choice. And, you know, I think it's an important conversation that people have to have within their families and try to figure out what's right for them and their families. But again, getting around some people that have had some vaccine injuries in their lives will probably change your perspective a little bit. So finally, $100,000 on the line. What what do you what do you propose? So we thought we found a a doctor for this. Um, Initially, a lot of them like to come out and, and, and say they'll do it. When it comes down to sitting down, well, everyone's showing their PowerPoint and going under real scientific scrutiny, like having actual discourse, they never show up. So, like I said before, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, she's top of the food chain, and um, I'm, she's willing to, to have this debate. I, I have this debate daily online, or just with, I'm I'm not fun. I'm not fun at the barbecue <laughs> or the birthday party <laughs> because I mean, like I'm watching. Like you don't see what why your one child is not healthy. Like I mean, this is. Why does your child have all this rashes and eczema? And like your child is two years old. Why do they have tubes in their ears and 20 ear infections? And I mean, they're just not healthy. Like my unvaccinated kids are healthy. Your kids are not healthy. It's, it's really not hard to figure that out. But we have this generation of just, we're just so indoctrinated and we're just unable to just see past what's on the media, you know? Yeah. I mean, what's surprising to me is that, you know, when we went out to Trenton to fight for this religious exemption, I had some doctor friends of mine that came out. And uh, everybody's like, wait, you know doctors that also disagree with it? Yeah. The, the bottom line is that you, you know, like, and trust your pediatrician. And you have to, right? I mean, you, you're bringing these, these blessings from the Lord to these people and saying, hey, what do I do to make sure that they're safe? Right? And uh, when they're told to do X, Y, and Z, you feel like you're a bad parent if you do. You feel like you're a bad parent if you don't. So it, it's, a, it's a deep issue, it's a right? It, it, this is people. not you know, a very simplistic thing of saying, well, I care or don't care about my kids. Mm-hmm. 
right? But it, you do have to kind of look into it and say, where are these doctors getting their information, right? I mean, if they're a medical doctor, and I've, I've said this for years, like if you go to a divorce attorney, they're going to suggest divorce, right? Mm -hmm. I went to a exactly. chiropractor and they said de decompression. I went to a surgeon, he said surgery. So just understand that they're looking from a lens, right. right? That's their lens. You well, need to look at it from your own. That's part of how they make their money too. People don't understand. It's not just, hey, you're getting this vaccine and the money's going direct to the pharmaceutical companies. The healthcare companies are actually bonusing the doctors, you know, based upon the percentage of kids in their practice that are immunized. So they have 90%, you know, success. They're making more money. Um, and the fact that you can't even sit down and consult with a doctor regarding your child's genetics and talk about specifically your child, their DNA, their genetics, where's the blood test? Where's the genetics test? Why aren't doctors that are treating your children looking at those things? So it could be simple as your child could have an intolerance to, to milk, right? And you're going through the doctor, what do I do? They're throwing up this and that, and they keep putting them on different things but not looking at the actual genetics you know, and, and, and that's what's most frustrating is because when, when you actually bring the doctor like I did uh, a heavy metals test and show that my son has a high a level of aluminum in his body and they're saying, well, what is this based off of? I'm like, all right, I don't know. I'm bringing this to you to help me. Right. Do you want to do a blood test? Do you want to do your own test? No, we wouldn't want to do that. You know, we don't, we, we don't want to uh, we, we don't want to bother him with uh, taking blood. And then that's when I woke up and I said, whoa. What do you mean? You're, you're, he's you're stabbing him 72 yeah, times. He's got 15 <laughs> vaccines already, and you're for that. And I'm just saying, let's have a conversation about it. You're not willing to have a conversation. Like, why won't you consult with a patient one-on-one -on -one based upon their specific genetics or their specific tests? It's not happening. They're treating everybody the same, and that's yeah. the biggest issue. Yes, I saw some somebody post uh, you know, the only – the only medicine that is the same dose for a guy my size and for a one-year-old toddler is the vaccine. So a couple of red flags we're talking about, but man, I'll tell you, Joe, we really appreciate having you come in today. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, how do they find you? Um, well, I only use the, the main social media page, uh, PubMed underscore science underscore stats. That's really what I'm operating under right now. My fitness page kind of does its own thing on the side. I don't really need to promote it any further. Okay, <laughs> I don't cool. Really, I don't need further association. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, <laughs> it's just not a good look when you're when you're speaking out against big pharma and, and the vaccine industry. It's like all of a sudden all your other businesses are under scrutiny and, and sure. things. So it's like uh, absolutely keep it separate for now. Well, good man. Well, we appreciate you coming on the Finding Success Show, and we hope that you continue to find success in all of your endeavors. Again, thanks a lot for being in the studio. This is Steve Libin, Justin, Abe, Finding Success. Listen, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Finding Success Show. For more exclusive content and previous episodes, check out successradioshow.com. That's www.